Spot market drives carrier revenues higher in 2018. Freight brokers say capacity loose, markets stable. FreightWave secures $20 million in Series B funding from corporate and strategic investors. SEC wants Elon Musk held in contempt. FedEx to roll out delivery robot capable of eight-mile round-trip trek. I'm Zach. <laughs> and I'm Chad. And all these headlines and more on today's episode of What the Truck. Great to be here with you, Zach. Yeah, filling in for JP again on the emergency. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not feeling well. Um, uh, great to have you here, as always. Uh, what you uh, what, what you imbibing on, bruh? So we got a little Orpheus transmigration of souls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm asking you. We already know. Mm -hmm. And man, uh, head, uh, you know, cheers to uh, John Bo setting us up from the freight alley. Little tra transmigration. Um, oh, my gracious. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty delicious. Redwood Logistics is one of the nation's fastest growing logistics providers, fueled by industry leading technology and a passionate team of experts. From multimodal brokerage and dedicated truckload to third party logistics and TMS consulting, implementation, and integration, Redwood Logistics delivers next generation solutions for its clients and much more than a truckload. Uh, here we are, though. Um, let's talk about the serious stuff happening right now. First of all, you know, we are trying to give you, not trying, we are succeeding. We are giving you, yes, you, the weekly market playbook each and every week. Right, Zach? Mm -hmm. And who better to give you the weekly market update, well, than the Sultan of Sonar himself, Zach Strickland, man. So, uh, dude, um, you actually wrote this article, um, Spot Market r Driving the Carrier Revenues Higher. Well, in 2018, that's old news. Well, how can you make it new news? What's going on, man? Well, I, I think the point of the article was really to kind of show the relationship between the spot market and kind of what carriers are uh, used to seeing as, like, their revenues. They don't really think, like, oh, you know, they only put – 15 to 20 percent of their overall revenues on the spot market. Right. Or their capacity, I should say, not revenues. Good grief. Um, <laughs> oh, and <laughs> so, I thought you were the market expert. I know, right? Oh. So the, uh, the idea here is that when spot market activity kind of heats up, so rates are going higher on the spot market. Things are getting really volatile, you know, like we saw in 2018. Yes, like and we that's saw, what we're talking about yeah, right we, now. Okay. We, saw, we saw, like, the, the rates go through the roof in June. Uh, they were kind of elevated in the early part of the year, which is very unusual. Uh, but then you see this kind of trailing impact uh, to carrier revenues as they, they kind of take some time to catch up. Like the carrier revenues are actually lower in the early part of the year. And they're not even while things were so hot. Yeah, yeah. And okay. the, their ORs, their operating ratios, which is kind of their measure of uh, yes. how well their profit margins, if you will. Uh, are actually kind of depressed, even though the spot market's kind of like this super hot, the rates are flying through the roof, brokers are making tons of money, hand yeah. over fist. Uh, the carriers kind of take some time pulling out of that. And and my, my whole point was the fact that, I see. you know, I, I kind of make this analogy, kind of like, you know, you're looking at a pool of water. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that and And, you're, and you're thinking in a, you know, you're, you're sitting there in April, the temperature is like seventy-five degrees. And you're right. thinking about you're thinking about jumping oh, in that that's water. That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah, you're thinking about man, I really want to get in that water, but just because it's seventy-five degrees or eighty degrees during Outside. the day, doesn't necessarily mean that water is ready for you to just dip your toes right in and, and splash around. And it's, in Tennessee in April, let me tell you, yeah. it's not <laughs> right. 
So it takes time for the water to warm up. You have to have enough mm. like high temperatures during the day, and you also can't drop too low at night because, as we know here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Lake Chickamauga takes a little time to warm up. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. In fact, um, I guess it's sort of similar to, um, speaking of which, uh, I believe today, if not today, yesterday was the day where um, it's the Strawberry Festival in Lakeland, Florida. Oh, yeah. And the reason that of all times you're thinking, well, February 28th or... um, or seventh, what you're having uh, 25,000 acres of, of Florida, uh, you know, t- territory, I suppose, of, um, you know, having strawberries ripe and ready and you're having this big festival and you've been having it since 1930. Well, like, well, uh, that's because the soil temperature is at 65 degrees. But how is the soil temperature at 65 degrees? It's because the air is at 75 degrees. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a similar analogy in bringing in something, by the way, that's happening right now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love your analogy, and I was trying to read it and I was trying to understand it, and I almost thought you were trying to get literary. But no, it's no. just a really good comparison here. You're the Ph.D., not me. <laughs> well, I'm the Ph.D. in creative <laughs> yeah. writing, everybody. Uh, of the six Ph.D.s on staff, yeah. I have the lowest IQ. <laughs> um, but, but you know, maybe I have a high Not EQ. True. I have Maybe I have a high <laughs> EQ. Anyway, let's have some... So, okay, so that is what's happening. It actually correlates what you're talking about, which is what we were talking about last week about this paper rates thing. Mm-hmm. And what do we mean by paper rates and how contract rates are different from, you know, from, well, they're not different. You know, it's like, what, how do we pull this out? Like, what's happening right now um, with, with rates? So uh, kind of the idea of that contract rates are kind of monikered with this paper rates uh, tag means that, you know, <clears throat> they're only as good as the paper they're written on. Yes. So carriers, for instance, in 2018 kind of bailed out of their contracts to go and make more money on the spot market. Now, this is a risky venture for carriers. Like, yeah. They can't. Uh, they, they normally don't do this unless it is absolutely just it can't make more sense for them to do it. So the, the fact and that in they were a minute, able, come back and let's talk about why. But. Yeah. So the, they look on the spot market. They're able, you know, they're moving freight from Atlanta to Dallas for, you know, a dollar fifty a mile on their contract side. Yeah, they see on the DAT load boards or the truck right. stuff, you right. know, all all the load boards or whatever. They're seeing that they're getting two dollars and ten cents. <laughs> it's like this temptation they can't resist, and, and it's kind of like, well, I should service my customer, but you know what? <laughs> my customer's not gonna know that I'm gonna start kind of taking this truck away. And I'm going to use it to cover some of these loads now because I'm just I can't pass up that much money, and and it's simply a function of the market being kind of out of balance because you have these annual bid cycles. Okay. And one thing that happened in 2017 was that 17. Yeah. So all these contracts were made on this depressed freight economy, Uh, so carriers were very aggressive with their rates, and that means that they dropped their rates. So that they could fill up their truck. Is this like early on in yeah, 2017? Yeah, early 2017. Because yeah. mm-hmm. bid cycles typically happen around, you know, fall, winter, when things are traditionally slower. Um, 2016 was a very depressed freight economy. So you could, they, they were basically like, it costs us too much money not to move freight on okay. our trucks. Because yeah. they simply can't just let a truck sit idle. That, that, they're paying for that truck whether they use it or not. It's not like a broker where yes. they don't have assets. So they need to make sure that truck is moving as much as possible so that they can pay for it. 
Right. And they have drivers sitting out there that they need to pay. Like, the driver that doesn't have any work, they're going to quit. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, they're, yeah, they're getting yeah, paid by the mile. I'm following you with all that. Um, well, so, okay. So we see the, 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 the reward to some extent, but they're taking a little bit of a risk. What's the risk that an asset-based carrier is taking – when they kind of start to, as you're saying, like kind of, you know, edge away from those contract paper rates and yeah. and hit that spot market. What's that? Because I think you wrote like there's like a, a double hit to the bottom line possibly for for it, asset-based carriers. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a double hit. Like, I, what, like When I said, what happens? When Well, when they – let the truck sit too long. Oh yeah, like, and they're but not how, what Why would that happen? Because they're paying for that truck. They're no, no, so, no. But I mean, like, so, like, okay, so they pull out of the. You mean just because oh, there's oh, oh, not oh. enough spot market activity to no. maintain the no, 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 the that's action? A different thing. So okay, if they, okay. If they go pull out of their contract rates, they're actually yeah. risking their relationship with their. Oh, customer. it's just about that. Yeah, okay. and, and and some of these some of these shippers are giving them consistent volume. Yes, and that is valuable to an operator. Like when they're out there trying to dispatch their trucks, they need to rely on the fact that when they're shipping from or they're moving their truck from Atlanta to Indianapolis, they're going to have something else that's going from Indianapolis back to Atlanta or Indianapolis to Memphis to Atlanta. However, their network is balanced. They need to make sure that that driver at some point gets back to his domiciled location. Okay. Um, But also they need to make sure they keep that driver moving. However, that route is. So when they, kind of change the, like when they tell a, sh- a customer that, hey, we can't cover your load today, that that's kind of damaging to the relationship and the customer may be less willing to deal with them in the future. And okay. seeing and then like... Even though, and I'm, I know it happens, but I mean, but but even though they all know that the there it's not a contract and the rates are only as good as the, See, the it, paper it's written on. It, it's true, but shippers have more leverage normally than a carrier does. Mm-hmm. And so, and what I mean by that is okay. the fact that everybody, there's so many carriers out there that are competing for limited shippers. Uh, when the supply of trucks is high, that drives the rates down lower. Uh, when the demand for trucks is higher than the supply, that drives the rates higher. So this is like one of the first periods of time that I can remember yeah. that, you know, you legitimately had demand exceeding supply by a large amount. And and by the way, everyone, I, I mean, I don't know um, if you're if you've ever um, if you're familiar with the Sultan of Sonar, Zach Strickland. He uh, uh, when he says I can ever remember, that's some experience that goes back well about a decade and a half. Lots of experience <laughs> here. Um, so, but I mean, there there's uh, overall like when you you write um, the spot spot market. Basically, drove carrier revenues higher in in 2018. And all I'm really is that because they took advantage. Is your thesis yes. overall that they took advantage of the situation and it paid off? Exactly. Okay. So they, okay. they basically figured out we're going to bail out of our contracts. And and to the to the carrier's defense, the shippers don't guarantee volume. You know, they put out oh, these bids and yeah, they say, they yeah. say, oh, we give. You know, there's. 200 loads a week coming out of Atlanta. There are no guarantees. And, and they, yeah. you know, and maybe they give you 150. And they, and, and that's something the carrier can't rely on. So just like that, it's kind yeah. of like this. That's why the paper rate uh, comment is in there, is both sides are just as guilty as not following through or being committed to 
what they're telling each oh, other. Oh, for sure, and I'm, I'm sure that that's what, um, that, that you know, we asked, I think, even this question last week, um, but, uh, you know, that's what drives the very fact that it's not actually contractual. Like, there's, you know, there's, a, well, why aren't they, con- yeah, because, you know, there, there might need to be a little wiggle room. Yeah, no, they're they're not like the traditional contracts where it's like I'm guaranteeing you this action, and you you're guaranteeing me something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, overall, um, you know, speaking of our weekly market playbook, you know, um, you know, uh, as uh, JP, um, who again is not feeling well right now, (laughs) he could have articulated this for us, but um, but we're going to do it. Uh, It's it's he was saying, you know, freight brokers say that capacity is loose. Market stable. Now we've been saying this all week, uh, you know, as we're giving it to you day by day what is happening. But we are we're also giving it to you weekly. Overall, our synthesis of this week is that volumes, much to your delight, <laughs> shut up, uh, are up. Yeah. But interestingly, and this is to me is about how the markets in balance. Um, the the tender rejections are um, well they're at, they're very very low yeah historical lows historical lows yeah. but but it's like what a year's worth of data yeah and so, we're probably reaching a point where it's normal like this is this is not this is not a new <laughs> okay. like a seven point three percent rejection rate uh, for kind of a route guide uh, okay yeah you know compliance situation is probably closer to normal than what we've seen over the past year oh for sure yeah. man <clears throat> I, I would I would I would agree with that yeah. Um, and, and broker after broker is saying this. Um, overall, I mean, can you give us any other overview of how the market is looking? Yeah, so a lot okay. of, uh, yeah, JP actually talked to several brokers, and he, they basically are telling us that uh, uh, the market is basically an imbalance. Like, it's, there's, <laughs> there's capacity available everywhere. They're able to kind of cover their loads where they need to. This is actually a really easy job for the brokers right now. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know. and that's why he's saying they're it's still in their happy place. Yeah, they, they can go out and basically cover all of their customers' loads, depending on their, their exposure to the kind of the contracted managed transportation side, Yeah, which a lot of the smart brokers are going to, you know, essentially – divert to like this managed transportation model. Uh, they're going to put more kind of value into uh, kind of these longer running relationships and shipper contracts. Okay. Uh, just because they're going to be able to rely on that volume now, but then it makes their job super easy because all they have to do is just call up carrier A, B, and C. They know they're going to get coverage at, an ex- at, a, at a pretty reliable rate. So that's why they're in their happy place. Yeah. Um, well, and one thing that I don't even think that um, JP's article touched on, though, I mean, it's a happy place, um, but what's a broker's margins happening in this time? Is it happy? Be- I mean, things are in balance, but is it just it's kind of easy to land with a you know loose capacity? But are the margins particularly good or bad? You know what? They're going to start contracting. Uh, they mm. probably already have, oh. uh, especially this time of year. They're they're not going to be able to take advantage of a super volatile volatile marketplace right which is that's really their happy place right unless they don't know it's happening <laughs> like unless they, who doesn't know it's the broker oh. like, if they don't know it's happening they're like say they have okay. an agreement with a shipper you know hey i'm gonna give you that dallas to atlanta lane for a dollar fifty a mile all of a sudden they turn around they can't find a carrier just like the shipper can't find a carrier and they're gonna have to pay 50 cents extra because the market blew up on them uh then they're gonna actually see even further 
market compression if they don't have any visibility oh, into that. You mean margin. oh oh yeah 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 okay so in terms of volatility, of course if they don't know what's going on they can get hammered. Exactly. Yeah yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's that's kind of like the big deal. Like anytime the market turns, like both are exposed to their what they don't know. I think that the reason that we're thinking and our, 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 you know, fundamentally our point of view right now seems to be that or is that things tender rejections we don't think are going to get much lower. And we also it seems to be that volumes are they're, on the rise. They're picking up. They're picking up. Yeah. But one of the things we've okay. seen in our data is the fact that it's actually being driven heavily by West Coast volumes. Which, yes. You, know, you pointed a, that out today. It's a totally different situation than we saw in 2018, where a lot of the volume was coming from several places, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas. All these markets had higher volumes last year than they do today. Uh, this year, it's all coming from one place in general, and that's at like L.A., and it's because of the whole, yeah. like, pull forward. Like, everybody's concerned about tariffs. They've pulled all this volume into the port. We still had another big month in January in terms of port volumes. Um, There's some seasonality stuff maybe happening in, like, Florida. But you're right. Like, overall, it's very West Coast. Yeah, no. Chicago volumes are down 11% year over year. Uh, that's tremendous. Atlanta's down about 5%. Uh, so. Okay. L.A. is up 90%, however. And, and, it's, and, and this is where, like, okay, so overall, currently, the freight market is strong on, mm -hmm. on say, Main Street. Mm -hmm. But this is where the uncertainty, like, plays in. Because yeah. it's like, well, why is it all West Coast? Well, is it, are they still just getting ahead of this, these tariffs? And, and, and I think that's still the case. I think okay. we're still seeing a lot of port volumes exploding. Obviously, we're, we just had Chinese New Year. It's going to take. It's going to start lulling a lot. They're going to be able to catch up. Uh, we still tomorrow. I think we hear about whether or not we're going to get an extension on the Chinese tariffs. Uh, so, but people have already started kind of moving their supply chains in response to this. So, this is going to diminish over time. And what that does for the freight market, we we don't know what that's going to do right now. But for now, everything right. is kind of like they have pulled all this volume into the. Port of Los Angeles, Ports of Savannah, et cetera. They've put it into DCs. There's so much potential energy in the freight market right now. If demand does pick up, potential energy. Yeah, that's okay. kind of a physics kind of thing <laughs> that I just threw <laughs> Sounds at. Sounds really good. No, it it's basically means that yeah. there is a lot of freight sitting in warehouses right now. So if the if the consumers ever start like kind of pulling this out of the market, there's gonna be a lot of freight. I mean it's yeah, still, that's true. And like, there's a lot of built up kind yeah. of like potential for yeah. there to be a lot of freight movement Stuff right now. In the warehouses. All they're doing is moving it between warehouses. Like they're taking right. these containers, transloading them as fast as they can, getting them into DC somewhere else. It still has to be moved around. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the LA market is kind of pulling that volume up. Whereas last year it was spread out. This year it's more concentrated. And since all the carriers know that it's in LA, they're already there. <laughs> right, and yeah. as you're saying, kind of moving regionally, point to point, just kind of putting them exactly in these uh, warehouses. So, like when hurricanes happen, like carriers react really fast, and it and it disrupts the whole market because it's a very quick, unscheduled event. Get on, get on in there like a magnet. Exactly. Uh, interesting. Wow, man, we can uh, take a deep dive with you uh, any <laughs> any old week of the week of the year.
uh, with this kind of good stuff. So other headlines that we're covering, well, I mean, we, we don't want to spend too much time tooting our own horn, but at the same time, it's cause for celebration. But we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh, uh, Freight Waves uh, secured a Series B. I, I, I guess I never thought that I would be a part of a startup that you know that was going places to this extent. Twenty million dollars in funding from corporate and and strategic investors, and you know one of the things that uh, our, our CEO and founder of of Freightwaves, Craig Fuller, said was that you know this came from uh, this this Series B came from uh, a point of opportunity where uh, we were actually doing great with the the sales of sonar everything and so it's like it's just like there was a lot of interest in what is going on yeah and no. so i i you know <laughs> I, I think my only hesitation in, in discussing the, the um the details of this article is i don't want to leave anyone out there are a lot of investors uh, there were a lot of lead investors and um then there were like there were the ones that focused more on the tech and yeah, I just want to. I want to. I just want to celebrate that a lot of things are happening, and I am excited to be a part of this company and this huge announcement. No, that's that's well said. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of geek out a minute okay. on uh, on this a little bit. Not not just because that this is you know we are kind of tooting our own horn, but just from an outside objective perspective, I'm going to try to kind of pull this back a little bit just yeah. to kind of elaborate on what. You know, kind of what we try to do here, which I think is very, uh, actually quite awesome, or, or <laughs> badass, if you will. Right. Um, That's our, one of our signature phrases. Yeah. So words. back in 2017, I was still at a carrier, and I was still, you know, trying to figure out, you know, my job. I was a financial analyst at a carrier, and I was trying to figure out what was going on because I had no idea. And everybody in the company was celebrating this huge month that we just had, and I was just like, Wait a minute. What did we what did we screw up? This can't be possible. We're not we're not that good. <laughs> and so right. I called I called a guy here at Freight Waves right back when there were only like four or five people. Uh, and I said, "Hey man, what dude, I just can't figure this out. Like what what is going on?" Um, Michael Vincent, if you will, just to give All a little right. shout, shout out to out Mike Michael Vincent. Vincent. Um, and and he was like, "Oh, dude, that's an easy answer." And he gave it to me like right away. He's like, delayed produce season and i was just like what are you talking about produce season i don't i don't care what's happening in la like our revenues are going crazy he's like dude capacity went to hell in a handbasket because everybody flooded the the la market etc cetera, etc cetera. and and i'm like okay. dude we're in chattanooga tennessee what am I, what do i care about and he goes dude just check it out and so all i did was make one phone call to our brokerage department he said hey or our line haul department, if I will, because we were an LCL carrier. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Hey, man, so uh, yeah, the uh, we we can't find a truck in Atlanta or or anywhere around town because everybody's in LA right now, and we paid four thousand dollars for a load that we normally pay seventeen hundred dollars for." Yes. And I was just like, you know what? The problem is, we are looking at our own year over year stuff. Like, we have no visibility right. to what's going on in the rest of the country, the rest of the market. And before we had sonar, <laughs> before I was yep. here, Mike Vincent, early on, looking at our data, actually knew exactly what was going on in the market. And that is actually, like, the point of Freight Waves is kind of provide visibility. And I think Craig actually 
stated that in his article. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael Vincent, one of the very early, uh, you know, uh, just key participants uh, in in, in uh, freight waves, uh, and he just a, he's just an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he he makes it happen in so many different ways. I you know this actually Zach uh, about this story and about what we do with like let's just say sonar you know with with is I didn't know this I mean I knew we had a lot of indices and I I knew that we had collected a lot of data and I, I knew our, our our data scientists are badasses they're they're handling a lot of stuff but this I didn't know I, I admit and I, I should have but I didn't. Uh, You know, while the data comes from many sources, uh, what we publish, apparently 93% of what Sonar publishes through Freight Waves is uh, is proprietary. And that means they are they are acquiring these data, these data sets, but they are having to clean them. They're having to, you know, they're because, as, as I think Craig Fuller said, it's it, a lot of the data is unstructured and noisy, speaking like a data dude, uh, whatever that means, noisy data. No, you don't understand. I get, a but, lot of people will actually understand what that is. But, I, but <laughs> you know, to stick with the like, uh, but now, but, but with that unstructured, you know, and noisy, um, you, you, you got to scrub it. You got to clean it. Uh, I guess, and you got to, which, which to me also means you got to put it into context and you have to put it into context of, uh, you know, the, the markets and, and, and what you're comparing it to. Uh, and, and that is what Sonar is able to do. So we talk a lot about data. And yes, data is the new oil, all that. Everybody wants to get on the data train. Uh, well, either you have it or you don't. <laughs> and, uh, and, and at this point, well, you know, for wh- however it exactly happened, it's, it's, it's happening. No. Like through hard works and vis- visionary stuff. Um, no, it's great. No, then and the term for to use, uh, Chad is a data janitor. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent I've spent a numerous a, a, yeah a, a, too much of my life cleaning data. So I understand. What really, that means. Yeah. you you yourself have. Yeah. Oh yeah. You and are I'm a man a... of many hats. <laughs> Look at you. You're, you're podcasting. <laughs> you're a pricing guy. You're a data nerd. You're a you, you, you write even I'm like poorly, but yes. No, no wonder people want you to constantly do things. Um, okay, well that so anyway that's exciting stuff. Well, um, talking about exciting <clears throat> stuff, maybe from a I don't know is it self destruction. Um, <laughs> You know, I remember uh, Elon Musk. Let's bring him up. Let's talk about Tesla for a minute. Why not? Because at the beginning of this podcast, about a year ago, a year ago-ish, you know, I remember, you know, Tesla was really in the news. And we were just like, it was, it was a, a, you know, like JP and I, early on, we were like, well, who's going to be the bull and who's going to be the bear on Tesla? Because there was already like signs of distress and trouble uh, with the, uh, the visionary, speaking of visionary founders, uh, you know, of, of, of Elon Musk. And, you know, Tesla, it's, it's, it's a cool concept, right? I mean, it's very disruptive what they're trying to do, maybe a little too much, too soon. Who knows? But whatever the case, I was, I was the, uh, the bull and JP was the bear. And I, I even wrote an article on uh, Elon Musk comparing him to Henry Ford. 
<laughs> you nice. know, really building them up. Of course, Tesla still didn't give us any uh, any anything for that. But, uh, but there were there were some parallels, and you know, you can <laughs> you can look it up. But I have to say that in this case, so far, and I, I want Tesla to succeed. Nevertheless, my gosh. Um, the, the just like the the actions the behavior of Elon Musk himself it's fairly outrageous I and mean, uh, this guy it, this guy is like a wild stallion that you just can't tame i mean you 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 try to you put you know he went out there and did these things that were just kind of like common sense like he's on twitter saying all 24 this 24 million followers yeah and on and, twitter it's just like it, people are fascinated by him and it's like bro no, we get why we're fascinated. It's yeah. he's, he's great content. I, I love him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love him from the sheer perspective of just entertainment mm-hmm. value. But at the same time, it's like, come on, man, you're you're grown. <laughs> like, <get up. laughs> yeah, it's maybe it maybe it is his universe, and we're all just living in it. Or <laughs> you know, or I, um, no, I I love this guy. He's he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast too. Oh I, yeah, I absolutely love that podcast. By the way. But the uh, the fact that he's willing to go on there and just, you know, do what he wants to do, and then he tweets what he wants to tweet, I understand this type of personality. Uh, you do? <clears throat> yeah. No, heck yeah, dude. This guy, he will do something for the sheer fact that he shouldn't do it. And that's... Really? That's that's oh, fi- you know what? That maybe that is his disruptive, and that's why kind of... that's what makes him able to do the Tesla and and all this kind of stuff. Like that, that's why he's able to be where he is. Everybody has to be held into boundaries, though, bro. They and do but just be but most of our innovators are just like this. They're they're not constrained by <laughs> the like, SEC. Yeah, I mean he. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he will be. He definitely needs to recognize that he needs a handler. <laughs> Or some sort of boundaries at this point, if he really wants to succeed moving forward, for sure. But at the same time, we're all beating him up for being who he is and what he's been doing for the. What makes him make Teslas is the same thing we're actually punishing him for. So I, I don't. That's an interesting take. Yeah, so you're I, kind of being the 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 defendant here, whether we call it the bull or the bear. You're kind of being a. a def, you're coming to the defense of the craziness. I don't want to call it defense because okay. he does need a, some semblance of recognition of the fact that he needs to be held in check. Well, should we give a little background of the story? Like, yeah. uh, okay, so uh, overall, you know, if if you don't know, Musk is is in. Uh, a bit of a quandary or a little bit of trouble, maybe a lot of trouble because, you know, of, of his tweet. Like, what, what is, I mean, how, how can tweets be so powerful? But they are. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> they, they uh, you know, he, let's see, uh, he, he talked about how he, he He's, talked about a secure deal that he had with, you know, getting Persian Gulf oil money. Um, and and just like all of all of that is probably long known. Let's hope people get the context of that. But you know, in other words, like whatever what what he did when he sent that tweet out the number of months ago was you know there was there was a direct financial motive for Elon Musk to manipulate Tesla's share price beyond you know the you know his obvious like personal wealth tied up of you know billions of dollars worth of stock in Tesla. 
No, and that's that's true. He he should not have done that. that so, I can't, okay. I can't, I can't right. defend that. So <laughs> then, so then, you know, the, the securities, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they investigated all of this, and they and everybody thought, oh, t- oh, Elon Musk is in so much trouble now. Well, you know, they 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 they, they reached a settlement, and besides forty million dollars in paltry fines. <laughs> For the multi-billionaire, besides that, um, you know, the one final condition to the settlement, and I think the pertinent one to the story, as JP wrote, was that um, any material or forward-looking statements issued by Musk must be pre-approved by oh yeah he was able to stay ceo but he had to step down as a chairman and then and then they were like okay but if you have any forward-looking statements it, it must be pre-approved pre-approved by the internal tesla process and Good luck with that's that. where <laughs> and that's where on february the 19th yeah which was he 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 a definitely. A few days ago. No, he definitely he definitely kind of overstepped that. He broke the rules. He said <laughs> some things on uh, you know like you know and then he tried to correct them uh, you know and and re and 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 you know and the internal like company said no we didn't pre-approve this and you know there was supposed to be a statement today about it which we I think we were expecting him to step down. As the CEO, and I'm not seeing breaking news on that there's, right there's now. There's no way. There's no way. He I don't. Happens. I can't <laughs> see how there would be. And you know, like, and this is where, like, if you're super rich and powerful, can you rattle the cage such as such as you're saying, and I, I, get away with it? Absolutely, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's like anything that our, our listeners might be surprised by. Um, the fact that he was able to. He, Dude, this guy's a rule breaker. If you're lo- if you're watching his tweets, yeah, okay, I get it. But at the same time, this guy is kind of off the rails at this point. You you know what he's gonna say is not gonna be 100% reliable at this point. And the mistake that he made about the run rate was one that I've actually seen before in my previous life. It's there's a <laughs> it, just because he's omitted a word uh, or whatever, even though I certainly don't approve of him like kind of going out there and tweeting and manipulating the market uh that that's that's not cool uh <laughs> for sure in terms of you're dealing with people's livelihoods and whatnot but at the same time if you're trading tesla mm. stock at this point and you're relying on twitter and all this kind of stuff like no no guys don't do that <laughs> like you're you're in a volatile space already yeah like, yeah you yeah. should know what you're getting into but i it's yeah the power of social media Mm-hmm. Uh, the power of, um, you know, I mean, well, we, we, you know, our president declares policies on, on Twitter, I guess. Um, he impacts the oil markets, as we've seen earlier in the week. That's uh, right. That, that's he right. He actually lowered the price of West Texas Intermediate Crude. What was the fallout of that? The fallout of that? I uh, just lowered the price for a few days. It's, you know, it'll, it'll recover. Uh, but we actually need that. I think it has recovered yeah, since Yeah, yeah, then. yeah. It, it's, it's recovered. But at the same time, like, I think everybody knows we need that price to be kind of high, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, well, an, another um, brief story is we, um, you know, we, we also talk, uh, besides being your weekly market playbook, uh, we also talk innovation and, you know, tech 
in, 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 a, in a freight tech centric kind of way. And, and one of the interesting stories or headlines that I saw that we came across this week um, was how FedEx is rolling out their delivery robot. And, you know, it's capable of an, an eight mile round trip trek. Which... I love the picture of this robot, by the way. He's yeah, like... the robots are coming to take us over. It's crossing the street with the pedestrians. Can you imagine walking down the city in the streets of New York, and then all of a sudden you see these little little trash can bins with FedEx written on the side of them, kind of rolling down next to you? Like you know, I it's strangely enough, I totally can, I, and I don't think it would be that out of the ordinary. No, I think we would all just kind of walk by it, like, oh yeah, that's it's we're in New York. <laughs> that's it's happening. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and just in the same way that, like, we see people, although not as much as I might have thought, but we see people on segways, you know, just kind of like, there they are on this two-wheeled thing. We're such like, a jaded society. I feel like we could Jaded have, because we expect... I think we could literally have, like, you know, some sort of demon monster walk down the street, and most of us would be like, oh, yeah, it's Tuesday, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> like, it's... Like, I feel like... I feel like <laughs> All, all this, the age of information, if you will, has yeah. kind of like flooded us with so much stuff that we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that should happen. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ready for anything to happen and you <laughs> won't even mind it. I see, Zach. Um, maybe you are a little jaded. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the takeaways that I'm thinking about with this, um, you know, yes, the Teamster. So, like, when we talk about autonomous, while we can all get excited and talk about the efficiency and how it's going to lower the rates. Uh, of everything and be super efficient and kind of cool and different. And, uh, you know, the Teamsters, uh, you know, are not going to be happy with this. There, you know, there could be, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but there, you know, there, there obviously are some job losses at stake whenever this happens. Yeah. With the, with the over the road and stuff like that. Yeah. That, that, that is a concern and it's legitimate, but at the same time, we're yeah. talking right now, with this particular subject, we're talking about last mile. Last mile is not the same thing as good point. Uh, kind of like your over the road or even short haul carriers. Like they don't, it, dude. This is eight miles. It gets really complicated. <clears throat> the last mile gets really complicated. Last mile, it's still jobs. It's still jobs. There's jobs, but it is such a having experience with dealing with last mile. We tried to do it ourselves back in the day, and we we were like, you know what? This is too costly. It doesn't make sense. There's essentially no yeah. backhaul. You go out there and you perform this like highly labor-intensive task that drivers don't want to do, number one. I should point that out because that's anybody that says, you're losing jobs, you took our jobs, you know, anybody. Well, that's actually <laughs> an interesting point that you're pointing out there, man. Like, I hadn't thought of the backhaul aspect yeah, but, of autonomous. But also drivers huh. drivers are going out there and they're they're having to, like, this last mile delivery segment is heavily labor-intensive. Like, oh, so yeah. They want them to pull the... F- whatever they're delivering into wherever they're delivering and it, it gets to. denser and denser and and that's not and great. i'm not just talking about your brain you're getting paid by the mile yeah. so why would you want to spend Ooh. why would you want yeah. to spend number 1 your time delivering this stuff even item? ltl like ltl no ltl's not like that no. but it's it, at the same time you do get caught in residential deliveries which ltl carriers hate and last yeah. mile deliveries final mile deliveries are almost all Residential type deliveries. Okay, so well, we, that's an inter- well good response to 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 that question. Another interesting takeaway that, or I don't know if my takeaway is interesting. The incumbents like this, like the incumbents, should partner 
with like they're going to win in the long run. Like we talk with all these little startups that are, get bought up. We've talked out we've talked about for a year about doing these little robotic things that are like oh so cute. Yeah. Well like basically it's just suddenly like FedEx decided to do it and uh look <laughs> it's gonna be happening pretty soon. Yeah. And we're gonna roll it out in a few places. No, FedEx, FedEx and UPS and all even though UPS said that they would not be specifically competing because they have Teamsters and union involvement that they have to deal with, which uh, they you do. Know, you yeah. know, that's that's important. But uh yeah, FedEx, Amazon has all they they've all kind of like you know, invested in this potential because they know that one, that last mile delivery model simply doesn't work that well. Like it's very expensive, very costly, very unpredictable, Hmm. heavily kind of weighted towards e-commerce, things of that nature where, you know, the, the economy is strictly go. They're, they're going that direction. Like I love Amazon prime, (laughs) even though they (laughs) were, they were a few days late on my order the other week, but (laughs) your gummy bears. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, at this, I I still use it. So what, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, that's funny that you bring that up. Um, Amazon prime. I don't know when we started using it. It was several years ago and we knew that they were just that that the efficiency of that just had to be ripping up the environment but as a consumer you're just like you're just <laughs> like two days i can get anything and i don't have to go anywhere or do and it's no i knew a guy that worked for amazon and he actually was working in one of their fresh deliveries and uh you know they lost money <laughs> and and trying some of this right? stuff out. That's part of their model. That, it's crazy. This on-demand, you know, kind of environment that we're in now, like that's very hard to actually do. Everybody just kind of accepts it as kind of like given. We're at kind that, of spoiled. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, that is a costly model that they're operating. So I don't necessarily blame them. Yeah. I, I uh, well, I don't know. Whether we blame us or not, um, you know, there, there are things that entice us and – Make make us all, you know, like make it work and make the disruption happen. Um, oh, right. What an interesting, uh, you know, group of headlines. Great to great to do this with you here, Zach. Well, it's time. And even though you are not super disciplined the way JP and I are, <laughs> you you have to I do have, the big deal, little deal with us. I have struggled with this. Over we the last are going bit. to nail it. Be all optimistic. Right. All right. All right, so uh, I am going to start with you, Zach. Are you ready for the big deal, little deal? What is the deal with you, Dill Pickle? All right, let's do it. Ready or not, here we go. Hacked drones and increasing concern as government seeks to ease restrictions. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Easing restrictions basically exposes you to uh, more risk as you move forward, so... Well, glad you're excited about it. China-U.S. tensions hurt confidence and reroute APAC supply chains. Big deal. Restructuring supply chains is costly and will actually have more opportunity for people to restructure their whole cost structure in the, in the, in the near future. I did not <laughs> nail that. <laughs> An end in sight for tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. Until it's done, Trump is unpredictable and I'm not counting on it. Wow. <laughs> Shipchain and Scanlog partner over blockchain-based track-and-trace platform. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. Until we hear or see some sort of success or efficiency improvement, I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> All right. Radio Recap. Freightwaves inaugural broadcast from Radio City. Big deal, little deal. Well, big deal. <laughs> Freightwaves Radio keeps on coming live to you each and every week from 3 to 5 p.m. ET uh, from Sirius 
XM's Road Dog Channel 146. It's also replayed throughout the weekend and available on demand. Travel Centers of America have operating loss in fourth quarter. Big deal, little deal. Little deal. It's great that they address some critical areas of need and cut their losses in half year over year, but they still had operating losses in the millions. Perhaps the bigger deal is what's happening with the state of travel plazas as an industry. Coalition pushes for young driver training to expand work first. Little deal. Big deal, little deal. <laughs> <laughs> little deal. There's really not a shortage of truck drivers, but actually just very high turnover, which should be addressed with improved compensation and benefits. There's another attempt. This is another attempt to get, you know, young people into the driving chain that they won't have to pay a lot. I mean, I hope it works, but last year's attempts didn't. Ag shippers seek funding action for stressed out transportation system. Big deal, little deal. Big deal. It's seemingly every turn in the supply chain. Agribusiness shippers are feeling the hurt caused by rail and truck equipment shortages. The, you know, ocean carrier fees, freight congestion, and, and a federal funding package could help it. And we blew it again. God, ah, I feel, I feel. It's, I, I'm, I'm taking I some, great. some. I, you know, you were, you. I didn't do great. I didn't do you great. You did fine. No. I was. I said too many things. <laughs> I'm, I'm. Oh, oh well, that's it's okay. Fine. <laughs> um, you know, hey, everyone, thanks for, you know, tuning in and uh, listening to all the things that we are trying to assimilate in the complicated freight markets. You know, please let us know how we're doing. Uh, and, you know, thanks for tuning in. And we will see you here, you know, each and every week. Thanks to Redwood Logistics again. And, uh, JP, we will see you next time. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the Truck. Truck.